Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Good morning, Bay Ridge. As you guys begin to take your seats, I'd like you to remind you that today's passage is going to be Galatians 2:15 through 16. And those passages will also be on the slides today. Again, that's Galatians 2:15 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Today's theme that I'd like to talk to you guys about today is justification by faith today provides hope for tomorrow. And we have just finished the Advent series that Brett had talked about and celebrated Christmas. And Christmas is a wonderful time that we get to focus around the birth of Jesus. And many people go all out and they almost get a little maybe lost in the decorations and the, and the Christmas spirit that we have around here. And this year too is especially important to me because for my daughter, it was really the first time that she was old enough to really kind of comprehend and understand the concept of Christmas and be able to kind of open up those gifts and really kind of enjoy it. So in my house too, we kind of went around and we made sure that we followed and moved around the elf on the shelf so that she'd kind of run around the house and try to find it. We made sure we listened to Christmas music every day. And like probably many others, I almost fell off a ladder about three times trying to hang those icicle lights off our rain gutters. And that celebration is great, but that celebration really is just focused on just the beginning of Christ's birth. It's not about... um, we really focus just on the birth of Christ and not always the completion that he really served with his death and rising three days later with his resurrection. And that's really what we want to focus on today is that more of that justification that he provided through his death and his resurrection. And in order to kind of understand this passage, we also had to kind of go almost back to like the birth of Christ, back to the beginning, to the background that Paul was writing this letter. So Paul was writing this letter to the church of Galatia And it was to help kind of correct um, and prevent them from falling victim to these false teachers. Because during this time frame, they were turning away from the true gospel that Paul talks about. And there was these Jewish Christian mercenaries that were coming into Galatia and they were preaching that to the Gentiles that they need to be circumcised and encouraging them to start following the law, the Jewish law. And by doing so, that was what was bringing them to be the people of God instead of Uh, being actually justified by faith alone. So that's kind of where we see Paul, that he's kind of addressing that. And Paul talks about this in his previous chapter, in chapter 1, in verses 6 and 7. And Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So we see that Paul, you know, we're talking about that he's really addressing overall these kind of mercenaries that are coming in. But specifically, as we move into chapter 2, 
Paul starts to try to focus and rebuke Peter, who was at the time kind of starting to separate himself from the Gentiles. Paul was living in Galatia and was kind of living with the Gentiles at the time. But when these Jewish Christian mercenaries kind of came back, he started kind of pulling back and away from the Gentiles. And Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, he as in Paul. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him with his hypocrisy so that their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow the Jewish customs? Paul is directly confronting Peter here, Cephas, that he's trying to let him know that there, there really isn't that difference within the Gentiles. He's getting into his concept that his correct answer that he's going to provide them in the following verses in 15 and 16. And that's what Paul is really trying to focus on during his letter to the, to the Galatians, that he's really trying to correct this and make his statement that be known. So how does Paul really rebuke Peter and, how, and rebuke these uh, Jewish Christian mercenaries? Well, first that we kind of see, Paul reminds them that salvation comes from faith alone. And he also reminds him that he is also a Jew himself. I mean, Paul, when he was, before his conversion as Saul, he was a very prestigious Jew. I mean, he was very well educated. He knew the Jewish law very well. And he was very um, high in the Pharisee sect. And Paul is kind of hitting on that and letting them know in those opening words, we who are Jews by birth. He was reminding them because there was this kind of almost this separation that they didn't really want to see the two were kind of one, one body of Christ. They wanted to kind of see that the Jews and the Gentiles were separated. And they wanted to kind of just push the Jewish law onto the Gentiles. And Paul is reminding them that he is just like them. He is a Jew by birth, yet he's still a member of, of Jesus Christ. And that's where he kind of gets into that. So he's reminding them of that, that aspect that he is also a Jew, that he's not you know, beneath them or anything that they might look upon how they, they viewed the Gentiles, but he is a Jew with them by birth originally. And then he gives them the correct answer. And this is really important. This is, I mean, this is highlighted throughout his verse in three, three times he states this, this justification by faith. And the reason why Paul repeats that is because there's so much importance on that. It's like when I learn things, especially from military instructors, one of the concepts that the teachers really help drive those, those points home, that, that answer that you need to know for the test, that concept that you, you can't get through the class without understanding, they stomp their foot. They make sure that you know that this is really important aspect and they will, they will just stomp their foot. You know, they'll just be talking about a concept that, you know, in order to pass this class, you have to understand, you know, Paul's center of his theology. You know, the teacher will stomp their foot and make sure that you understand that is the focus of that class and for that test. And that's here exactly what we see Paul doing. He's repeating the answer three times, letting them know. He's, he's pretty much stomping his foot to them in his letter and letting them know this is exactly the answer, the rebuke that I'm providing you of what you guys need to understand and grasp and hold on to instead of listening to these uh, false teachers that were coming in and discussing the circumcision and following the law. So in this concept of Paul kind of providing this justification by faith, it wasn't 
it's not something that he just focuses here on Galatians. I mean, this is a major concept for Paul throughout his epistles. And we see these, uh, especially in, in his uh, epistle in Romans, but we also see it through the rest of his epistles. And I'll give you guys three examples on where he also talks about this justification um, through faith alone. And the first one is, comes from Romans 3, 22 through 24. So this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all who sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And then we see Paul continues through in Romans later on in Romans 5, 1 through 2, again to answer this concept and this, provide this answer of justification through faith. And he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, stomping his foot, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of glory of God. And the final example is in Philippians 3, 8 through 10. And you have to also remember, this was read to us earlier by uh, Scott, but in Philippians 2, this is during a time that Paul was kind of seeing a lot of the people that were following him almost abandon him because he was in prison in jail in Rome. It was kind of one of more what you might think of a darker moment in his life, but he was still had great joy and was still writing in prison. And he writes uh, this passage in Philippians 3, 8 through 10. And he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, stomping his foot, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So there we have, there's three other, area, other passages that Paul provides this, this uh, answer that justification is in faith. And that is important because Paul is, is letting us know that this is incredibly important throughout his epistles. And he places a lot of this importance because of the significance of Christ Jesus' death and resurrection. And the reason why he has such a high significance and importance on this is because really justification by faith, that justification by faith that allows us to kind of enter into a relationship with Christ and be saved and spend an eternal life with God is only accomplished because Christ was born on Christmas and then he you know, spent his time on earth, 33 years, and then he was finally nailed to the cross, died. Three days later, raised from the dead, walked away from his tomb, and is now seated at the right hand of God. And that, without that, that doesn't allow us to have the justification through Jesus Christ. So that is why if you read about some scholars, they always talk about that the center of Paul's theology, the center that he's really trying to place his importance is the fact that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected. Because from that, it's almost only because you have that, that he, we now have the ability to actually be saved, be justified in the faith by Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul kind of, we see that significance in there. And a, a scholar, a great scholar, Herman Ritterboss, writes this about it. He says, Faith represents a new mode of existence that has been given in Christ's advent. It comes with the coming of the fullness of time that it gets from Galatians 3.23 and 4.4 4, 
and with the manifestation of the grace of God in the death and resurrection of Christ. Then it's disclosed that Christ is the end of the law unto justification for everyone who believes, from Romans 10.4. Likewise, the insufficiency, indeed the folly, of trusting in the law is understood. The consciousness of one's own imperfection and guilt is born, from Philippians 3, 4 through 8. And what Ritterboss is really kind of just saying there is he's talking about that, that faith, that new mode of existence comes from the death and the resurrection of Christ. It stems out, it's born, it's able to happen because Christ was the incarnation of the word. He lived on this earth and then he was crucified and he was raised from the dead. And he talks about too, Ritterboss goes on later on to talk about that this sequence, this concept of this growth in the face cannot be reversed. It's unable to be um, it has to be a natural birth of faith and then the grace of God in that connection with the justification. And we cannot forget that through all this, that it's only because of the works. All this is only because of the works of the Lord, because of God, because of the mercy that God has given us, that this has been able to be accomplished. And it is never an act from the believer or any of the work of the law. And Paul goes on in, back into the passage to kind of discuss this, this concept of if the justification was through the law. And, and this section here, it reminds me of when I was learning geometry back in high school. Um, my, my professor was talking about ge geometric proofs. And he was discussing, you know, sometimes you can't always directly prove something in geometry or in math through going and trying to give you the exact answer. The, the only way to, for them to really prove it is to make all the other answers and show that those are false answers, that there's only one true answer and the rest are all false and kind of disprove in those other outcomes. And Paul kind of talks about, well, if there isn't justification by faith alone, then what's the other outcome? This justification by the law that those false teachers were talking about. And he goes on to answer this in Galatians 2, 19 through 21. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. That last sentence right there, Christ died for nothing, I mean, what Paul is getting at, if you just ask yourself, if justification, this salvation and relationship from God could be obtained from the law, then why did God provide us his son? Why did Jesus Christ have to come and die for us? What was the meaning of Christ's death if justification could come from following the law? And, and the answer is, there really wouldn't be a reason for it. That's what he's saying. Christ died for nothing. He's, he's eliminating and showing that that concept of trying to earn your own salvation, to try to earn that eternal life with God, can't come from you alone. It can't come from you following the law, and it can't be gained through the law. It has to come through Christ. And he also begins, too, with that beginning of the passage, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. What Paul is getting at is that a person's death to the law means that a person ceases to have any relationship to the law so that the law has no further claim and control over that person. It does not justify them. And instead, now he lives in faith 
in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him for justification by faith. And now, I do want to take the moment right here to just kind of say, this is not what I focus, but I do want you to understand, I'm not saying that we do not need to follow the law anymore. What I'm just saying is that our justification, our salvation, our eternal life, our relationship with Christ, that comes from faith. And for we still need to follow the law, we just need to follow it out of love for Jesus Christ instead of following it out of an obligation that we feel that we have to follow it in order to gain and earn our own salvation. And that hope and that joy that justification through faith provides, that's, I don't know about you, but that's, that's kind of amazing because what that's saying is that it's not based off our own merits. It's not based off of us following the law or anything that we do. It's not off the merits of the individual. It's from God alone of, that we receive justification. And that means that we don't have to get right. We don't have to live a certain life before we come to the Lord so that we can enter into this relationship. It just means from God alone, from the mercy of God that he pours out because he loved us so much that we are able to enter into a personal relationship, gain the Holy Spirit inside of ourselves and not just live a life for Christ here on earth, but then when we fall asleep and pass away, we get to enter into an eternal life with the Lord. And so with all that, how do we really apply that? I understand it's, it's almost a very simple concept, justification by faith, but how do we really take this on board and how do we apply the word? Because it's not easy to fully trust and place our faith in God for our salvation. It's easy to state and it's easy to see in the text of where it comes from, but it's not always easy to fully trust and place our faith in God for our salvation. And the reason is, is because we want to know that we deserve it. We want to add something to the gospel to make it feel like we deserve this concept. It's, if you think about with this Christmas season, with all these gifts that you get, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have kind of feel, I, I have a friend, Matt, that lives in Japan currently, and he loves giving gifts. He prides himself on the ability of giving great gifts. And it is, he is really good at giving gifts. I remember he knows that Lauren and I love to cook, and he's given us such gifts as, you know, a nice big salt block so that we can kind of do some pretty nice seasoning of steaks and cooking them on this nice salt block. Things that you wouldn't normally want to buy yourself that he knows that will be useful for you, and he gives them to you. And with that, too, he actually recently wrote me over the Christmas season about how he was reading a set of essays and this concept of, you know, you feel an obligation when you receive a gift to give a that you owe that person something. Even if it was just straight out of a surprise gift that they saw for you, that they knew that you would really enjoy this gift and they decide to buy it for you and give it to you, that you still feel this obligation to give back to you. And that's kind of what we kind of struggle with. That's what we see in this passage with the Galatians, you know, that there, it was happening with them, that they were adding this, this gospel plus an individual act to make them feel that they deserve to earn this justification and this salvation and this relationship with Christ. We also saw this when we had a similar um, message about the Reformation period, about what was going on, you know, 500 years ago, about two months ago in October. And 
it's also happening now. If you look at some of the concepts that scholars are kind of pushing, the new perspective on Paul um, and some other things, there is still this movement that we want to add something to the gospel to make us feel that we deserve our salvation instead of sticking to the true gospel that Paul talks about that and the justification by faith alone. And I know that I personally even struggle with this. It's not just these big concepts in general of, you know, you have to be circumcised and follow the Jewish law. I know that I personally struggle with this, that as I go through seminary and I start to study the word more and more and I get to learn and read about and spend time that part of my daily life, I get to go, you know, to D.C. and spend with some great uh, teachers that really understand scripture and really get to talk to me and explain this, that I get to have this, feeling that this time that I pour into learning about God's word is in a way helping me earn this better standing with the Lord and this salvation that I deserve for myself. And really, it's instead more of that, that salvation was when I fully committed my life to the Lord seven years ago <clears throat> and when I accepted Jesus Christ by faith. And it's human nature that we want to be in control of these aspects. I mean, I also think of myself when I... I have to get from point A to point B and I have to drive somewhere. I like being the one behind the wheel. I don't like being the passenger in a car. That's probably why I'm a pilot. I like to manipulate the aircraft and I like to have control. And it's much harder for me when I have to go to a big city or somewhere and I have to ride in a cab or nowadays Uber um, and depend on somebody else, especially somebody that I don't even feel like I know to get me from point A to point B. But Are we trusting in God to get us where we should be going? Are we placing our faith in him? And another example of trusting in God to get us to where we need to go is I think about also the house that Lauren and I bought here in Annapolis. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but at the time when we were purchasing this house, we didn't know whether or not we would be able to stay in the area, whether the Navy was going to Uh, move us on a new set of orders or if we're going to be able to extend until our commitment for the Navy would be up and then we could get out and remain in this area until I could completely finish my degree whenever that ends up happening. But so this time, before we even knew this, we felt God calling us to remain in this area. And with that said too, we felt that God was saying, you know, set your roots down and buy a house here. And a house went on the market that was actually three doors down from the house that we were renting, and we felt the Lord calling us to place an offer on that house. And when we did so, we found out that we were actually owed about a year and a half left on our current lease that we were renting from the house. And the people that we were renting from decided that they didn't want to rent it anymore. They just wanted to sell the house and get rid of it. So now we were in a situation where we were trying to buy this house, and we knew that the people, we were going to be on the hook for the rent, for at least, you know, until they sold and closed the house is what they were telling us. So roughly what people are estimating about six months to a year, plus buying this house and closing on it. So we're looking at like, how can we make this work? How can we buy this house? How can we, you know, are we going to end up having to support these two houses until our lease ends in a year and a half? Or are we going to be able to work out? And it ended up, uh, what happened was the selling realtor actually said, we have a family that needs a family of four kids that needs a house while their house is being renovated for about six months. You know, they are really interested. If you buy this house, close on the house, they're moving, they'll rent the house while your house that we're renting sells. I don't know if you guys can follow all this. Um, 
And so they would rent that. We would stay in the house that we were renting. And then when our house sold, you know, and their renovations completed, we would move into the house that we purchased. What, as you can see, like I said, is completely this crazy zigzag, I don't even fully understand it myself, and I went through it, uh, pattern of how we ended up not having to support two houses. And the Lord kind of really provided us for that. And it was so, so interesting because my neighbor that lives down the street, that's a realtor, and he's been a realtor in this area for about 15 plus years, I want to say at least, um, that does not believe in Christ as far as I can tell. He was just like, how can you do that? How can you place your, your release that control and not have to support those houses over? And he goes, that is amazing that you guys are willing to do that. I would never even like touch it with a 10-foot pole. But really what it was is we ultimately knew, you know, we might not, and I'm not saying that God provided for us because we were faithful. What I'm just saying is that we had this hope and this joy for the future of as we were purchasing this house because we know ultimately that we had our faith and our salvation and our relationship with Christ was more important that we already had that with him and not because we are faithful listening to him and obeying the law that he was providing us and we weren't, you know, committing sin or anything like that. And that's why we got the house. It was just because the Lord was gracious for us and he, it worked out and we were able to release that control and have that hope because of the faith that we had in Christ alone. Um, so with that said too, that was kind of a process that we were able to kind of work through and have and, and place our faith. But also if you think about what was going on in this letter, that the Galatians had already learned about the true gospel. They had already learned about justification by faith alone and under Paul. And then, you know, they kind of go down through a period of time and then they almost start losing that concept. They start kind of veering off and, you know, departing the road, the path, and start trying to add their own things and hear these people talking about circumcision, following the Jewish law, and they started to buy into it because they weren't really doing day-to-day -day actions. So what day-to-day -day actions do we place for our faith in Christ? What conscious decisions do we place in God that we have faith in him? Do we daily surrender our control to him? Do we remember that God is sovereign? And most importantly, do we continue to remember that God sent his son for us for our sins? Just like I said, that's what Paul was writing to them in Galatian, in the, to the church of Galatia, that he was reminding them that, you know, the importance, the significance of deaths, of Christ's death and resurrection, and that the justification through faith alone that they have, that provides them that relationship with God, that salvation, that eternal life that we know that we have, when we ultimately depart from earth. And with that said too, do we also see and remember that it's not under our own merits? I know that I've, I've said this already today, but this, this concept, when, I, when you really think about it, I mean, that is amazing to kind of grasp that nothing, it's not under our own merits. Because like I said, that means that weight, that, I mean, if you think about it, this is one of the greatest, this is the greatest gift that you can ever be provided. The eternal life, the salvation in Christ alone, to know that you have that. And to think that you might have to earn that if it was under your own merits, if it was under the law per se, I mean, that would be a crushing weight. I mean, just think about how worried and stressed out most of us get when you were, uh, 
for us that are old enough to drive, when you're, you know, you're coming up on your driving test, you don't want to fail the driving test, and you want to make sure you get your license, all those accomplishments, those things that we've had to earn in life, think about those moments right before an exam that you had and that pressure that you feel on you because it's on you, that you feel like it's on you to pass that test and earn that, that license. And instead, that is all released because it's not on our own merits. It's through God's mercy that we earn these things, that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. And for those that are kind of, you know, struggling with this and starting to ask yourselves, and you guys have questions about really, you kind of see these things and you start to wonder exactly how do I place my faith in Jesus Christ? I encourage you that you come and you talk to the elders of our church, that you talk to Brett after the service and ask them those questions that you really struggle with and, and they will be able to answer it and help you and guide you through that way. And, and with that said too, I also just want to understand that this hope is, is great that we have this salvation in Jesus Christ. And I can't think of a better way to understand and remember that we place our faith in Jesus Christ and, have, and live a life with Christ than coming to the Lord's table today. And with that, uh, let's enter into communion. Now, here at Bay Ridge for communion, you do not have to be a member of our church to participate in the Lord's table. Like we talked about, all we ask is that you place your faith in Jesus Christ and that you accept Jesus Christ for who he is and into your heart. And with that said, <clears throat> for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we are so very thankful you provided your son for us. We are thankful that through him and his death and resurrection, we are able to now be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we are also so very thankful for the mercy you provide us. That it is only through your mercy we are able to be justified through faith alone and not on our own merits. Help us see the beauty in this and the hope and joy that is, not up, that is not up to our good works, but only from you that we are justified and saved and enter into a relationship with you, Lord. As we come to the table today, help us identify the areas we struggle to place our faith in you and only you instead of ourselves. As we come to the table, also help us see that it is an ongoing process for us to continue to place our faith and grow in our relationship with the Lord. Help us lead us by the Holy Spirit and not follow our own fleshly desires. As you get the elements today, please hold on to them and we will take them in a few minutes.
Lord, as we take this bread today, help us again profess our faith that Jesus Christ walked on this earth. He was nailed to the cross. He died for our sins. And three days later, he rose from his tomb for us. Help us remember that it was never what we have accomplished in our lives that allows us to have a relationship with you. But instead, it was only through your mercy, through Jesus' death and resurrection. Take and eat. Lord, as we drink this cup, help us remember that this cup is the new covenant. Under this new covenant, we have been provided justification by faith, faith through Jesus Christ. The curse and the wrath that we so justly deserve from our sins has been wiped away with the blood of Jesus. We pray that you also help wipe away our sinful desires and help us continue to place our faith in you alone. Take and drink. Let us pray. Lord, as we leave here today, help us just remember that this holiday, this New Year's Eve, we think about new beginnings, new life, and that is all able to be accomplished through you, Lord, through your mercy, through your son that you have provided us. Help us remember this, Lord, and help us share this to others as well. Help us see the glory, the hope, the beauty that is from you, Lord, and only you, that we're able to enter into a relationship with you, Lord. We love you so much, Lord, and we are so thankful for everything you do for us. Amen. Please stand with me for the benediction. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who have been baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.